There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, a weekly show where we talk about the ups and downs and ins and outs of Squiggly Career and share insights, ideas and things that you can take action with so you can take back a bit of control of what might be going on for you at work right now. And we always find that it is quite cathartic for both Sarah and I too, because a lot of these topics that we talk to you about are things that we are going through as well. So today is part two of our Squiggly Soft Skills series. Very hard to say, but hopefully it's proving useful so far. We covered originality last week. Today we'll be talking about critical thinking. And then we're going to move on to social influence, mainly because I think Helen and I are really intrigued about what that is. We don't really understand it. And stress tolerance. So those are the four skills that we're going to be covering. And we were inspired by the World Economic Forum of soft skills that they thought were going to be particularly useful by 2025. So we've used that as a bit of an anchor. And similar to the series we did back in the summer in 2022, each week we both read a different book about the topic and then we don't talk to each other before it. We do make sure we've not read the same book, which very nearly <laughs> happened last week, um, which shows how organised slash disorganised that we are. And as we go through the podcast, we quickly talk about a quote. So one quote that's really stood out to us from the book. We talk about three things that we've learned. So some insights that we want to share with you so that you get a feel for whether it might be an interesting thing for you to read or dive a bit deeper into. We'll then talk about an action that you can take if you want to increase your critical thinking, as we'll be talking about today, and then finish with who should read this book. Is it a book for everyone? Is it a book for some people? And I always think you get a bit of a feel and a flavour for our thoughts on the book and how much we enjoyed it as we go through as well as a bit of a bonus. So Helen, what was your book of choice for critical thinking? Well, I picked up a book that I already had on my shelf because I always get like, you know, like book guilt. Yeah, well, when I'm like, oh, let's buy a new book. And I'm like, yeah, but I have quite a lot that I've not read yet. And so I must have ordered the book Framers at some point last year, which uh, subtitle Human Advantage in an Age of Technology and Turmoil. And yeah, it's all basically about how you can harness the frames that you use to look at the world and at work to make better decisions. And I thought in the context of critical thinking, how you choose frames would be a a really helpful thing to learn a bit more about. Uh, So that was my choice. What did you choose? So I've chosen the HBR Guide to Critical Thinking. So does what it says on the tin. Uh, (laughs) We're very straight down the line for this choice. And slight disclaimer, we we did go back and forth as to whether we should choose it because of this. But 
we are in that book. So one of the articles that we wrote about learning and how to make development part of your day to day has sort of been edited, slightly reworked and is part of that critical thinking book. But I'm not going to talk about that today because we've done a podcast on it before. And actually, I think there are other articles that are much more focused on critical thinking that we're going to emphasize and and spend a bit more time exploring and the other thing which I also hope is not annoying is the book isn't out until I think it's mid-February but you can pre-order it now so the links will all be in the show notes for the podcast and hopefully it's not too long to wait and we felt like it was such a specific read for the skill it felt like a shame and we were not to include it and we were obviously lucky that we could read it a little bit early so I feel like we've had a little a little bit of a sneak preview one of the advantages of the squiggly careers podcast (laughs) So we wanted to start with the quotes that have stood out for us in reading the book. And maybe I'll, I'll go first with this. I think this quote that I'm going to say, it stood out for me, not because I think it's the world's most uh, amazing and inspiring quote, but I think it actually explains what framing is in a really simple, practical way. Because I don't think it's something we talk about like all the time, this idea of framing. So the quote that I captured was, the frames we employ affect the options that we see the decisions that we make and the results that we attain. By being better at framing, we get to better outcomes. So I thought it was quite a good explanation and a sort of justification of why we might want to do this. And then there's a nice little example just to bring it to life of framing, which is wearing masks. So in the pandemic, obviously, all around the world, we had to wear masks. And it talks about how people framed the pandemic and mask wearing sort of informed how they felt about it. So, for example... If when you looked at masks, your frame was all around, you know, your freedom and your personal choice, then you would see wearing a mask as a bad thing because you would see it as taking away personal choice and mask because you're being forced to wear it. Whereas if your frame was more about health, you would see wearing a mask as a good thing because you would think that, you know, wearing a mask sort of reduces the amount of germs that you are sharing. And it just it basically says that depending on what frame you use, or the language I would probably use is like what lens you look through, depending mm-hmm. on your lens or your frame can very much affect your decision. So if you are only looking at your world of work through one lens, you're probably only making one type of decision about your development, for example. Whereas if you get better at seeing your work through lots of different lenses, you can sort of see different perspectives and it might give you more kind of options and hopefully help you get to better decisions. Yep, that, that all made sense to me. Good, good, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, that was, and it was helpful. Like I actually, uh, one of the quotes I pulled out and actually haven't chosen, I had also gone down the definition route of like, how do we define critical thinking, which I probably will still come back to. But I did pick out a slightly different quote, which I think is probably quite an appealing one for lots of us. So the HBR Guide to Critical Thinking has lots of authors. So I will do my best to credit everybody as we go through because there must be, I don't know, 15, 20 different people who've contributed in some way. And this is from a guy called Srini Pillay. And he says, simply using your brain for crossing items off your to-do list is a poor use of a very sophisticated machine. I like this. Mm, I did. It just it just really stood out to me as like one of the things that as I was going through with critical thinking is it's definitely not I don't think it's an easy skill. And actually I went back and reread a couple of the chapters. Each chapter is sort of an article in its own right. You could actually it's very pick upable and put downable, as in you can just you could just read about integrative thinking, which I'm gonna talk about later. And then you could come back to it. But it's not so simplistic that you just sort of think straight away, oh, I know exactly what to do with that. Like, I think you have to spend some time with it. You have to 
keep coming back to it. And, and almost like part of the argument, I think, for critical thinking is going, we've got the brains to do this. We've all got the brains to do this. And we've got to almost choose to use them in this way and not not let split attention and distraction and multitasking and pace, which we've all got very used to and and or addicted to, get in the way of critical thinking because those things are all very detrimental. If you want to be better at critical thinking, essentially you've got to make some choices as well, I think, about like how quickly you do things and how present you want to be and how mindful you are. That's very aligned with like the premise of framers as well, because that idea mm. that it's human advantage, it says that like there's lots of stuff that technology can do, but if you can develop this skill of critical thinking, it's a very unique human skill yeah. that can give you advantage if you have it. Yeah, I thought I got to the same conclusion actually reading it as well. So do you want to go first? What what were your three insights? What can we learn? How can we be better framers? Well, well, I don't I don't know how useful my insights would be. I was going through all my notes and it was just like a collection of stuff I captured and I was like, is is this useful for people? I don't know, but this this is what I wrote down. So um my three things. Um the first thing I captured. I feel like you've really framed that, by the way. Just talking about framing. I'm like, <laughs> she's she's framed us to go, is there? I'm not sure this is that useful. So are you priming us there to be like, oh well, no, it is actually really useful. I mean is you're she totally actually using one of the techniques it. in the cook, in the book. No, I literally just went through my notes and was like, this is a random collection of stuff that I decided to write down. Uh, but here's my random collection of stuff. So the first one, I wrote down something about learning by doing versus learning by explaining. So in the book, they talk about that we can learn a lot more and we get better at the work that we do when we explain why and how we're doing it. So you don't just do it on autopilot. So I, I, an example of this for me, I was trying to think about well, what would this look like in my work? So every week, I review all the social media copy and posts that Amazing If put out on lots of different platforms. And a lot of the time I just do that. I just do it on autopilot. It's a task to be done and I get it done. But if I took five minutes and I explained like why I did it and why I did it in a certain way, then I might be able to understand more about the frames that I'm using. Okay, so the frame that I'm using is efficiency because I'm trying to get it done that way. What if I framed it with impact? Would I do it differently? And so, and there's a a quote that illustrates this. It says, as humans explain the world using frames, they learn more about the world they are explaining and generate deeper and more accurate insights. So it's sort of, when you explain why you're working in that way, you can unlock some of the frames you're using, if that makes sense, which can then Mm -hmm. help you to think, well, if I took on a different frame, would I do this in a different way? And I just thought it's not a nice, neat learning, but it did make me stop and think. Yeah, and I think that also might be useful to explain to other people why you're approaching something in a certain way. You know, often if some people are on, you know, if you're just on the receiving end of something. So let's say you were doing a bit of work and then you just, I, I just sort of see it happen, but I'm not a part of the process. If you explain to me, well, the frame, I appreciate the frame I'm using at the moment is efficiency. And then actually you and I have a conversation about, well, what would happen if you used a different frame or is that the right frame? And then what we might decide is, yeah, that's absolutely the right frame. But then I've got a better understanding as well. And, mm. you know, so also, you know, that idea of you're including people in your approach rather than like keeping knowledge to yourself. And I think I've I've spotted a few examples recently where I'm like, I'm going to have to take the time to explain how I would do this. And it's definitely time consuming and often easier to not do that. But I think you probably learn more and then other people learn more if you get good at explaining like the why and the how. 
Yeah. And I guess the shortcut is like name the frame, like explain mm. it so that you can name the frame. And that, that makes it easier to maybe try try yes. different one on. So yeah, so it turns out maybe that was useful. Though. That was a useful yeah, was, thing useful. that I wrote down. The second thing I wrote down, I just captured because I loved the term and I sent it to you on WhatsApp. I've, I've, I just captured this one oh, bit of yeah, the book I and I love it was the term cognitive foraging. <laughs> and I just like this idea. So basically, I think this is just a different word for curiosity. This, this <laughs> idea of cognitive foraging means you know learning from different people in different places so you're acquiring lots of new knowledge and again the quote that I captured about this cognitive foraging term which aka curiosity is (laughs) by constantly looking we are better at seeing and I just thought that was just a really nice like there was a a thing that I was going to save and come back to quite a lot that idea of constantly looking makes you better at seeing just resonated with me quite a lot yeah that's nice I can imagine that would go down differently in different organizations i've worked in some organizations where i think cognitive foraging would not go down well people who are very straightforward and like to be simplistic and then i've worked in other organizations who i think would absolutely love that you know maybe very creative organizations who are like yes i'd love to do some cognitive foraging i I suspect that's quite like a divisive it'd be quite a divisive term but your point in terms of like what why would you be doing that and how that's then helpful in terms of critical thinking because curiosity definitely came up in the HBR Guide to Critical Thinking as well, more than I had expected and imagined. And I was even saying to um, a group today that I was doing a workshop for, actually, sometimes I don't think I would have necessarily made the connection between curiosity and critical thinking, but I definitely do now. So Mm. that's interesting how we both, reading very, very different things, got to that same connection. And my last one is about constraints, which we've talked about before, the power of constraints in kind of you often think that constraints are quite limiting, but in terms of sort of challenging your thinking, constraints can be really helpful. They come up a lot when you're looking at kind of innovation. But the what I think it was the example that I loved when they were talking about constraints. Do you know the book Green Eggs and Ham? Yes, I have okay. to read that okay. quite frequently to my five-year-old. And do you know what? I've come round to it. Initially, <laughs> I was not a fan. This is a third book review that no one was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, and I was like, I am I am not up for this book. I'm really not enjoying it. But Max was quite enjoying it, my little boy. And I was like, and he asked for it a few times. And I'm so keen for him to like reading because I like reading, basically. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do that one again. And now I've just sort of found my rhythm with it because it is a very rhythmic book. So yeah, I, I do know that book. Okay, so I'm going to connect the dots for you between Go constraints on. and this book, Green Eggs and Ham. So Zeus, because it's written by Dr. Zeus. I don't know what his first name is. It's just Dr. Zeus and the Green Eggs and Handbook. But anyway, Zeus, his publisher bet him that he couldn't write a book with just 50 different words of one syllable each. So he gave him this constraint of basically 50 words, one syllable, and said, you bet you can't do it. And he took that constraint and wrote the book Green Eggs and Ham, which is full of these words, Sam I am. This will all resonate with Mm -hmm. anyone who's read that book. And he created one of the best-selling children's book of all time. And so it was just this idea that with a constraint, so almost this frame of sort of simplicity and restriction in terms of what you could do, led to a whole new way of him thinking about it. Now, I kind of go, what's that got to do with critical thinking? But the, I think the idea is sometimes when you when you take constraint and you, you limit your options. So it's hard to think critically when 
the world is very confusing and sometimes you need to create some simplicity so that you can you know you can think more critically about a situation so it just made me think if you're overwhelmed let's say you've got a career decision to make and it feels really overwhelming maybe think about some constraints that you could apply to it that could just narrow down your options and help you to get a bit more critical that was that was where I got to but I also just like the example because I know the book very well (laughs) and actually when I talk about integrative thinking I think that will challenge one of the things that you've just said and reinforce one thing so I think that that'll be that'll be quite interesting so shall I go through my three insights so the first one is a very practical one and this does actually also link to the action that I would suggest everybody has a go at because I actually did have a go at this today and found I could do it quite quickly so as I said some of the things on critical thinking take a bit of practice and I've reread some of the chapters But one of the ideas for action, which is from David Markovitz, is this idea of problem statements. If you want to get better at critical thinking, practice writing problem statements and particularly practice writing problem statements, almost to use your language with different frames of reference. So I didn't know we were going to connect those dots, but actually that's exactly what he's suggesting you do. So, for example, let's imagine you're really busy. And you're going to write some problem statements about being, you feel like you're too busy, you're you're too overwhelmed. So you could write a problem statement that sounded like, I've got too much work and not enough time. And that's a very individual frame. It's like, I, I have got too much work and I have not got enough time. Okay, so that's a problem statement. You could write the problem statement more from a sort of cultural perspective, which might sound more like, how do we get better at improving our prioritizing process? So that's less about me, that's more about us, that's more about ways of working, that's more of a kind of cultural lens on that problem. Or it could be more about maybe you're kind of zooming out, I guess, even further, or an organisation problem statement, which is how can we understand what is the work that we do that has the most positive impact? So none of those problem statements are wrong, but you would solve each of those problem statements with very different solutions. So that's the point. So by actually doing multiple problem statements and then almost thinking either for yourself or in a team or in a group, which one of those problem statements like specifically choosing are we starting with? Then you make sure that you're sort of solving for the right thing because you know otherwise you get to that thing of, well, we've sort of solved the problem, but have we solved the right problem? So actually you might then say, this does feel like a really individual problem because actually maybe no one else in the team feels the same. Or actually, maybe this organisation is very good at prioritising or maybe we're really clear what has the most positive impact. But for some reason, I'm struggling a little bit with how much work I've got to do and not enough time. So that is that is the right problem statement to start with. And one of the things that they kind of talk about is just so often that part gets missed or it's done too quickly. And it's it's almost the same as when like you and I used to work in marketing. If you don't write a good brief, you don't get to good work. I feel like if you want to do really good quality critical thinking you need a very good problem statement and you need to make sure that you've not aided that too quickly but also you've not only looked at it through one frame so I I read that chapter that kind of article about problem statements and doing it from different perspectives and could then have a go at that kind of quite quickly and I just thought I can imagine that will be useful in lots of different situations and it, it reminds me of like when I've, when I've done jobs before and I've not really known what I'm doing and I couldn't really rely on my like insight and experience to add value. So I'll be really specific about this. When I joined Microsoft and I had no idea what my job was, I couldn't really give anyone any answers. So what I started to 
get good at was asking questions because that was like a way that I could add value to a room. And I would often ask people, what, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Because I would find very much in, in sort of the large corporate organizations that I worked in, that sometimes you have so many meetings and so much discussion that sometimes people don't know what they're talking about anymore, like in the nicest yeah. possible sense. <laughs> and so like, like, why are we here? So just taking a bit of time out to ask that, what is the problem we're trying to solve? It's really interesting. And what's even better is when you don't do it in like group discussions. So when you get people to write it down, like what is the problem we're trying to solve? And then you look at their answers you realize that everyone thinks they're trying to solve a different problem and it's quite good I think midway through projects and stuff to do something like that and then almost like to hold the problems up and be like okay (laughs) there's a bit of variation here so which is the one we want to move forward with Oh, I can't remember if it was this article or one of the others, but they gave that as an example, ah. as an exercise. Yeah, as a um, if you're working on something with people, make sure that that problem statement doesn't get lost and almost do that test of get everybody to write it down. And people often have some quite important differences, even if they're sort of along the right lines, that actually can be really helpful. So actually, that's another kind of practical action that I think you could take. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So my second insight was about having the right people in the room slash Zoom for critical thinking, kind of creating the conditions for critical thinking. And here I was sort of merging a few of the different articles that I read. So there was one by a lady called Cheryl Einhorn, who talks about your problem solving profiles. And we all have a profile, don't we? Because it's yeah, just quite appealing to be like, oh, yes, I'm that one versus that one. Even though actually in lots of ways, I'm quite anti them. I still found myself quite drawn to reading this um, <laughs> to reading this article, partly because I was working out what you are, um, kind of what I am. And so she describes these different profiles, listener, detective, visionary, thinker and adventurer. And you can obviously have a bit of a accumulation of a, a few different profiles. But it's really interesting reading it because you are definitely an adventurer problem solver so that means you're 
optimistic, you've got a bias for action, you always want to move at pace. And then I have a thinker profile. So I want time to think. I like to get different people's thoughts of view on the problem. I don't want to be forced into one answer, like exploring options. So it's quite helpful perhaps to just think about what problem solving profiles do you have? Like what, which one are you and what do you have within your team? Because actually it is a really good thing to have complementary styles. You don't want everybody who's an adventurer because you probably all have quite a lot of fun, to be honest, when you read. I'm like, oh, they're probably having fun together, but they probably they could climb the wrong mountain, essentially. And you don't want just thinkers because then they'd never climb any mountain because they'd never make a decision about which was the right mountain to climb. So it actually made me think from a team perspective. I was like, oh, I'd be really interested for us all to dive a bit deeper into that because I've not come across those before and just think about what are our problem-solving profiles. But more generally, there's lots of examples in the different articles about how Actually, one of the things that you can do if you want to be a better critical thinker is consider who are you inviting into your conversations. And people who are often particularly useful are people who understand your world, but who are not in it. So there's one example of, I think they were talking about a team that were coming up with like an innovation framework. And this guy invited his like executive assistant to contribute to the conversation. And what she basically said was, I've been in this organisation for 15 years. You've done three innovation frameworks before. None of them have ever worked. No, like no one ever likes them. They're just basically the latest shiny object. You know, I'm not sure that's what people need, to be honest. And he said, what was so funny is they were solving the wrong problem. So they were thinking they had to come up with um, an innovation framework. Whereas actually, it was almost like there was a completely different thing they needed to be spending their time on. So she was right because she understood the organisation, but she wasn't sort of in that team day to day. And also you want people who can be open and honest. So there needs to be the sort of, that they actually make this explicit link to psychological safety. So if that lady had been scared of her boss or like those people, she's not going to say those things. And she obviously felt like she, she could do that. They actually mentioned, you know, you've got to be able to get people who can speak truth to different kinds of power. And then finally, those people's job is not to come up with solutions to the problems. Those people's job is to give input. So as we've sort of described it before, it reminded me of when we've talked about challenge and build. So if you want to get better at critical thinking, how often are you inviting challenge and build on your ideas, on your pieces of work? Are you creating the conditions or an environment where you can do that? Because then to your point, one of the definite um, themes or threads that runs through critical thinking is your job is more to ask questions. Get really good at asking open questions, what if questions, you know, what might we be missing? Helen, I really appreciate your perspective on that. Who are the voices that you're not hearing? So I think something that it almost challenged me a bit to think, you know, often you think, well, how can I get better at critical thinking? That should all be about me and like my skill set. But actually quite a big part of it is actually thinking about other people. Are you getting other people's perspectives? Who are you inviting into those conversations? And then are you asking really good questions? Are you making sure that you're asking, you're not expecting those people to solve your problems for you? But that's how you get better at that sort of critical analysis is who is in part of that conversation is really important. Listening to you, it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, Edward Tobono's thick, yes. thick hats the, and this idea that kind of you're wearing these different hats. I think I was just quickly having a quick look at them to remember them all. Like there's a, a facts hat, a cautions one, a creativity, a feelings, a benefits and a process. And it's all, almost like giving people a different part to play means they'll put a different perspective into the conversation and maybe doing it intentionally can really help and avoid stuff like groupthink. And the other thing mm. I thought was maybe, you know, often in 
you know, I, my context is like large organisations, but maybe it's the same as small organisations too. But sometimes you get stuck in these silos where, you know, the marketing team doesn't talk to whatever team. I was thinking whether you could have like a cross-functional critique. So you're inviting someone from another function to kind of, you know, to do that challenge and build and you're kind of giving them that opportunity and then you could do it for them. And I think it could be like a really constructive way that you could you could invite this sort of more critical thinking in with these these people with different insights and perspectives and also sort of tackle some of the potential organizational silos that arise often in big mm. companies too. Yeah, and it so rarely happens. I was yeah. just thinking about like how often was I part of those conversations? Quite quite rarely really because I think people get quite protectionist of their of their function probably rightly so because people you know they've probably had experiences where if you're not like that maybe you lose budget or things don't get happen but but I think if you want to be in that high trust environment that's exactly the sort of behavior that you would expect to see that was really interesting there's like lots more that you can dive into on that if you're interested in that and then my third insight, and I did hesitate about whether to include this because this is not easy. And this was the article that I read a couple of times. And they even finished the article by saying, this is almost like a, a newer area of almost research. They were talking about the potential of it being taught in business schools, but I actually don't think it is at the moment. And it is this idea of integrative thinking. And it's written by somebody called Roger Martin. And so I tried to then summarise some thoughts on integrative thinking that I hope might might help everyone to at least get started with it, because I feel like I have got started. That's me managing, framing, managing expectations. <laughs> um, so one of the things that Roger Martin talks about is essentially these leaders who seem to be incredibly successful and like how they sort of think differently. They seem to be able to do this integrative thinking. And one of the features of this is that these leaders are very comfortable holding two opposing ideas in their heads at once and having multiple hypotheses. So one of the things I've not talked about today is one of the articles in the book is about act like a scientist. And the reason I've not is because we did a podcast on that last year because it was a really good HBR article. And if you follow the sort of scientific process in a sort of very purist way, you would have one hypothesis that, you know, you need to go away and test that hypothesis. You need to make sure you measure it, etc. Whereas actually what he's saying here is people who are really good at having, a, having these opposing ideas and these multiple hypotheses, they're very, very open. And they start from an approach of rather than the same again, they are motivated by shaping the world to make it better. So rather sort of more of the same, they're sort of very motivated by difference or how could we do, they're sort of not constrained, I guess, by what has gone before. So that's sort of almost like that's sort of starting to describe maybe what it would feel like or look like. They are very good at questioning maybe obvious connections. So, you know, in organisations, people say, oh, but if we ever do this activity, then this this thing happens. So, you know, almost like an if then. Oh, well, if we put our prices up, then this thing always happens. And what these people are not afraid to do is to ask what if questions. Okay, well, what if we tripled those prices? Or what if we stopped selling these things for a while? They'll almost ask potentially unreasonable questions or unrealistic questions because they're sort of they're stress testing some of the assumptions that exist in an organization they, they sort of don't they're, they're very very questioning I would say kind of re- reading it they're sort of and I think at times that must feel quite confronting and challenging 
you know, because these are the people certainly that he's talked to and it's hundreds, but are often in very, very senior positions. So these are people who are like, they're digging in, they probably don't let stuff go. I was actually thinking of one particular, I was trying to think as I was reading through it, thinking of one particular leader I worked for, I was like, oh, they were quite like this and they were brilliant. But at times I'm not always sure it felt brilliant. But maybe if I had understood some of this a bit better, it actually might have helped me in terms of like what, what they were trying to do. And what's interesting about these people is they, so this is this is counter to what you were talking about earlier, maybe in terms of simplicity, is they're so good at kind of critical thinking is they can see all these hypotheses, they can they can hold the whole problem and picture in their heads at once and they enjoy and sort of embrace the messiness, the complexity, and they, they don't feel constrained by, I must choose an option. Oh, we need to choose option A, B or C. They'll be like, oh, there might be a D. They'll come up with a Z. They'll be like, well, maybe it's something completely different. And they sort of have a confidence in actually, yes, this feels complicated and messy and there's loads of options and I don't need to simplify. You know, we all sort of search for simplicity. I got a sense that these people potentially do the opposite because these are these are not small problems. This is, the, this is not the time for small problems. These are maybe big things, big things that you're trying to solve. And so oversimplifying something that's really complex wouldn't be the right thing to do. Feeling like we should do what we've always done is not how you sort of unlock new ideas and new opportunities. So I found it, um, it's less specific in terms of going, what am I now going to go away and do? I was still sort of get, trying to get to some of those conclusions. Certainly asking what if questions. I think we can all do that. Like, what if that? Not being afraid to dive a bit deeper and to question assumptions. I think is definitely something we could all try. And not being afraid of the messiness and complexity. I thought that was quite a good reminder that sometimes things are messy and complex and like that is okay. And he describes them as they're sort of like architects in that they don't just sort of see one room like I'm just going to design a really nice bathroom and then I'm going to worry about a really nice kitchen or whatever. He's like they've sort of created a mental image and mental model of it all and they just sort of hold it all all at the same time. And actually I was like that bit quite appeals to me because some of that I think is more naturally the way that I would work and I I de- definitely don't oversimplify that's that's not my problem um I, and I am quite happy with sometimes living with like different options and messiness and just sort of and feeling that confidence and that reassurance of like it's, I feel okay I feel like we'll find our way so some of it actually reading I found reassuring because some of the behaviors maybe not all of them I could recognize in myself how you go away and then get lots better at it it's probably the one article I read in the book, as I said, there's sort of a series, a collection of articles where I thought, oh, I think I'm going to go away and read this book. The, so the guy has actually written a book on, I think it was called something like Thinking Differently. And I thought, yeah, this is interesting. I'm, I want to dive a bit deeper. I am glad that you got to that conclusion because actually in listening to you, I saw a lot of you in that because I do think like sometimes when Sarah and I are talking, I'll be like, okay, what are we... Sort of what? Where where is our business going? What do we want to be by twenty twenty five? And Sarah will often try and hold the space a bit more and say, "Well, we could be lots of different things. Why do we need to decide now?" And 
I have sort of two insights in listening to you. One, it is really valuable, like if you are an integrative thinker, as I've put that hat on, you know, if you are that, Mm -hmm. it's really useful to spend time with people like Sarah because sometimes when I feel like I'm closing down an option too quickly or trying to oversimplify something, just spending time with someone like Sarah can help you to stay a bit more open for longer. So I think maybe spot the people that might have some of the characteristics Sarah has talked about and think about how you could spend time with them. But then I also think for integrative thinkers, there is a bit of self-awareness that you need, which is that not everybody thinks like you and that actually it can be a little bit uncomfortable for other people to sit with that ambiguity. Like people do like clarity. So I think Mm. there is a point at which you have to, you know, recognise that this is an individual skill that you've got that definitely has value, but that sometimes you might need to create those constraints for other people so that they can work in a way that also works for them. Well, it probably means if you're good at it, you've got those critical thinking skills, or maybe you can get even better at those critical thinking skills. I think it's also about recognising where to apply those skills, you know, like the application of those things. Because I can see in myself sometimes where I might get it wrong is, you know, like not all problems are born equal. Mm. Some problems do need to be simplified you do need options and you do need to make a decision and you don't need to do all of those things that I've just described and then there are other times where actually that's incredibly useful so that there is something and actually this isn't talked about maybe maybe we're building on it who knows um <laughs> I do think there's kind of the adaptability that goes alongside it because whether you're in a small organization like we're in now or in massive ones like we've been in in before you know you're doing very different things day to day. So I can't believe that approach is is sort of useful all day, every day. And I think your point is a really good one as well about, you know, like even I described, I think I worked for someone who was even better at it than me and probably learned a bit from that person. If I had understood it a bit better, I think I would have benefited from it more. You know, like I, like you said, I think I would have embraced this person I would say was even happier with the kind of messiness, complexity, than I was and so if I had sort of known that's what we were sort of doing it was almost like a oh well this thing is important enough that it's okay for that I think then I it would have helped me to almost like manage it a bit better and sort of almost like go with the flow a bit I think you've got to go with the flow when you're going through that process I described Um, but if you don't know that if that's sort of happening to you rather than with you I think that's probably a very different experience. So on to action. And what from our reading do we recommend that you could go away and do to support yourself with this skill of critical thinking? Well, I'm going to go right to the back of my book, Framers, which there's like a two page section. So you have to read quite a lot to get to the action. And there's two pages at the end of it, which is a guide to working with frames. And they basically give you the stuff that you can go and do. And part one of this is what I'm going to recommend, which is the harnessing mental models. So these are the kind of the the frames that we all use every day so it says basically identify and inspect the assumptions in your mental models so I think that is that point that we said earlier like explain why you're doing something and just think about what frame am I using and is it the right frame so that's the point that we mentioned earlier so when you're making a decision I would just think about what is the frame that I'm using and just be really like name the frame as we talked about earlier ask why and how questions so why am I using this frame 
how would my decision be different if I use a different one? Or like so Sarah said, the what if question comes up in this book as well. Well, what if I use Sarah's frame? Or what if I use my manager's frame? What then? And just basically try on a few different frames and see what different decisions that you would make. And it says that when your views clash with somebody else's, try to characterize the way that they see the world. So if Sarah and I are having a bit of friction, then one thing that would be really useful is to think about the frame that Sarah's using, just so I can understand where she's coming from. So I think the name, the frame, understand the frame that might be causing the friction and use some of those why, what ifs and how could questions are just sort of good ways, I think, to just not just take things as they are, but maybe be able to see things a bit differently to make better decisions, which is what the framing thing's all about. I find that interesting and useful. Oh, good, um, I'm glad. <laughs> And mine is the very simple one that I mentioned as part of the first insight is practice writing problem statements. I think for any project I think you could do this for your career if you were trying to think about career change or promotion or what next you could do this for team ways of working I think sometimes even the word problem can intuitively and obviously feel negative but I think sort of almost let go of this idea of a problem statement being like oh it means we've got a problem really what you're defining in a problem statement is something that you want to improve something you want to do better or you know get better at and so I think don't be too binary in how you're defining problems because I think then that might actually limit how often and how useful this would be when I think about problem statements I can think about most days I think we're probably working on something where I'm like I can imagine writing some problem statements from different perspectives could be useful so when you're thinking about having a go at doing this don't yeah don't start with like oh, what's a problem in sort of a negative way start with what do I want to change? What do I want to get better? Well, like, how do we want to improve? And so who do you think should read Framers, Helen? Well, I think... Mm. I, I know, your face, so I, like, I oh, know, ooh. I know. So I would only recommend Framers to somebody that wanted to get quite expert into framing because okay. I've worked quite hard, I think, to pull out stuff that you can do on a day-to-day basis at work. And I've had to read the whole book and pull that out and and wasn't the easiest thing to do. But I did enjoy reading about it at a sort of sort of an academic level. I mean, it talks about the pluralism of framing and it talks about like, <laughs> you know, like there's counterfactual arguments and causal effects. And there's a whole section on correlation and causation. So if that sort mm, of stuff... Which I still flow- always get confused about. <laughs> exactly. But that sort of stuff, if that's what you get really interested in, then this book will really help you because it, it basically dives very deeply into that. But if you just kind of go, yeah, I've got it. It's the lenses you look through the world and I need to try some different things on. Then you've probably got enough from this podcast, I think. And the HBR Guide to Critical Thinking. So the pros of that book are, firstly, it's short. It's short, it's very specific and it's it's pretty, you know, does what it says on the tin in terms of critical thinking. It is a collection of articles. So rather than a book you know, from start to finish that kind of flows and is written by one author. And so I think that has pros and cons. I think what I liked about the critical thinking one is then it's lots of different people approaching critical thinking with their area of expertise. So for example, our contribution to that is about, you know, learning, making learning part of your day to day and how you can be more curious, which will help your critical thinking. We're contributing the bit that we're 
really good at. And then, you know, Roger Martin is then talking about integrative thinking. That's the bit he's really good at. So I think I really enjoyed the variety of perspectives, um, people, you know, sharing different points of view on critical thinking. The bit that perhaps is missing for me, and this is true, I think, of all the HBR guides too, because this is not really what they're designed to do. There is nothing at the end where they then say, right, so we have distilled all of this together and really thought about the actions that you could take at work. You have to do that work for yourself. And in some of the articles, that's easier to do than others. So if you were thinking, I want this to be, I want a list of 10 things, 10 ideas for action that's going to help me with my critical thinking, I think you would get there. And actually, it wouldn't take you long to to read the different articles. And I say it's very easy to pick up and put down. But there are some where I just read and I I, kind of came away going, oh, well, that's interesting. But there's not necessarily the so what. And then I think there's some that you read where you're like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to read it again, which I did. And then there's some where you go, that's interesting. And I'm clear about what I might go away and do differently. So there's kind of a mix of tone and styles. Some of the articles are only two pages long. Some of them are more like eight, I think, for Anyone who wants to be more strategic, I hear that a lot from people, like, how do I be more strategic? I think it'd be a really good book because sometimes strategic feels quite vague and I think one way to be more strategic is to get better at critical thinking. Anyone who wants to, as I said, around problems, if your job is about change, I think it would be really useful. I don't think you have to be a leader or manager to read the book, but quite a bit of the emphasis in some of the articles is more on people in those kinds of roles but I don't think it matters too much what role you're in but I really recommend it and I've read quite a lot of the HBR guides too I'm looking on my shelf behind me right now I think I've got 11 or 12 of them (laughs) and I and I would say it is one of the it's one of the better ones of that style of book that I've read I think in terms of I was thinking I'm going to keep coming back to this I'm going to dive a bit deeper I can imagine getting it off the bookshelf you know putting it as a permanent place on the bookshelf it was very good so given one of the values of our business, Amazing If, is useful, that is often the frame that we use for a lot of the things <laughs> that we create. And so to make this episode even more useful for you, we have pulled together the insights, the ideas and the actions that we think are useful in the context of critical thinking, and we've put it into our pod sheet. So if you like this topic and you want to invest in this skill, Download the pod sheet, which will summarise lots of what we've talked about, and it makes it easier for you to take action. And you can always get the link to the pod sheet from the show notes, largely on Apple. I think it's the easiest place to find it, but also it's on our website. So on amazingif.com, there's a podcast page. You just click on the, the relevant podcast and you'll always find the pod sheet and you can download it and fill it out and use it with your team. So hopefully that will help you take what you've listened to from Sarah and me and put it into action in terms of your development. So that's everything for this week. We will be back next week with social influence, which I can't tell what you very much about mean? yet because I've not I've not read the book yet. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to talking Me about too. it and learning more about it. But thank you all so much for listening. We're always so glad to have you with us, and we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 